Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. Hi, I'm Karen, and I um, had a ba- branding for Ballard. I forgot right. what I did there for a second. Sorry. <laughs> we're your host, and Taryn is out on maternity leave, and we're in New York this week, so she did not make the trip with us, but we miss her, and she'll, she'll be, be back. back soon. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, we're in New York this week and our guest is Philip Mitchell. He's an interior designer based in New York and Toronto. He's been featured in Traditional Home, House and Home Magazine, Canada's Style at Home Magazine, and you have the cutest ever dogs. You do. I think um, Jacob and Wilo. They even cuter than you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not possible. And okay, one thing I want to talk to you about is your house in Nova Scotia. Because it is adorable. And I feel like is that I got that right, right? Absolutely. So I don't even know where to begin. First of all, thanks so much, ladies, for Welcome. coming. I'm so excited Yay. that you came to our apartment today. Oh, and we're in your house. <laughs> yes. And you're yes. In our house. It's amazing. Yeah, that was very nice of you to show up here. Um, our house in Nova Scotia, we, um, we purchased this beautiful old uh, 1795 captain's house on the ocean in a beautiful seaside village because we didn't want it to be torn down. Um, I have a question. Of What's course. a captain's house? Um, it was a, a captain uh, back from 1795 that mm-hmm. was, uh, I believe, was an English captain. Mark's better with that than me. He's more the history buff. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the the, um, the actual house itself was built in 1795 by this captain, and it's this sort of three-story, historic, colonial-looking house that overlooks the harbor. So okay. I think oh that's sort gosh. of the whole the whole history behind that. But um, anyway, we, we bought the house because it was going to be torn down and we wanted to preserve it. Both of us are on historical boards in the village and we both think it's really important to sort of preserve things and set an example. So mm-hmm. we took upon ourselves to to sort of, we started restoring the house uh, with the premise to um, possibly save it and keep it for somebody else. But in the meantime, I've fallen in love with it and I think it's home for a very long time. Well, how did you end up there? So it's it's an interesting story. I had never been to the east coast of Canada um, before about 11 years ago. And Mark and I were on a trip. That's my husband. And uh, we literally toured around the entire province. And it was the most charming, most beautiful, magical little place that we'd ever been. Um, it's spectacular. It's on the ocean. Uh, it's definitely like sort of a cross between New England and Maine. Very casual, very, mm-hmm. you know, very seaside, uh, nautical. Uh, and the people are just super friendly. And there's some beautiful architecture there. And it's quite picturesque. Every time you post a picture of it on your Instagram, I just feel like it's, it looks like the coziest picture I've ever seen. I'm like, I want to be on that couch with those little mm-hmm. dogs curled up. Like, it just looks so layered, the furnishings and quaint and uh-huh. adorable. Definitely. Well, listen, we we, we tried to our hardest to respect the history of what the house was. Um, it had been added on to a number of times over the years. And so there were not so many great restorations uh, from the 70s mm. and the 90s. Um, but what we did is we took it back down to the the bare bones um, 
as we as we sort of went through the progress of restoring it, it ended up that we found out that most of it was rotten from the top to the bottom. Mm. Um, so we painfully um, and expensively restored yeah. it piece by piece. We kept everything in it. We disassembled the house, and almost everything that we could put back into it went back into it. Uh, the original flooring from 1795. The planks are 16 inches wide by 20 feet long. Um, the original beams that were rotten and compromised, we actually milled down into paneling for some of the rooms and decorative beams for some of the rooms. The That's old amazing. windows, yeah, the old windows we cut down, the old water glass, uh, we cut them down and made them interior transoms for above the door. So wherever we could reuse something in the house, we did. Um, and so that's where I think a lot of that character comes from that you mm -hmm. see in that sort of, I, I guess, again, coziness and comfort, you know, tends to be what we do with a lot of the work that we yeah. uh, we are involved in. How long did that take? Oh, much longer than I Is wanted to admit. Is it finished now? Um, it's finished now. Okay. We've just moved in. Uh, we're just finished in the landscaping as we speak. But uh, it was about a, a three-year process, only because we anticipated it being a restoration right. uh, slash renovation versus disassembling the house top to bottom painfully making sure that every piece was sort of intact and yeah. and stored and you know not compromised and then putting that all back in you know the original treads are still there we've put them all back in the original pickets the handrail um it's pretty extraordinary the amount of work and the craftsmen that were involved to make it all happen have you inspired other locals to be as meticulous about their restorations definitely i think so so we we um you know, we being in Canada, we have a little bit uh, a more, uh, or I would say a less, um, a less, you know, strict approach to restoration. Um, mm -hmm. And in our village, we don't have, uh, we have guidelines, but we don't have particular rules. You know, Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard have very strict rules, right. which is why things look that way. And both Mark and I are very much trying to to develop something like that there, um, just because I think it's important for you know preservation's sake. Um, you know, sure. we we're one village away from uh, Lunenburg in Nova Scotia, which is a World UNESCO heritage site. The wow. entire village or the entire wow. um, city there, and you know, not that we're trying to make that Chester, but there is a reason why people love Chester and the history behind it yeah. and the charm, and we like to try to keep that intact. So I think we've definitely inspired a couple of great. Uh, restorations uh, recently. And then we've also inspired a couple of um, new clients that we have there mm -hmm. to do what we're doing, which is essentially, you know, maintaining the history and the integrity of what's there and what people love about it. So tell me this. Okay. You split your time between New York and Toronto. Mm -hmm. Neither of those are really all that close to Nova Scotia. Did you just have like a heck of a contractor or how did you yeah. manage a three-year renovation from... So we have an incredible contractor um, who is like an artisan. When I say that, he takes on one project at a time. Um, he was very involved in every single aspect of our house and the restoration there. Um, unbelievably trustworthy. You know, we have this thing, uh, he's like a, a salt of the earth, salt of the earth sort of person. Um, and he really is fantastic. And we put a lot of trust in him. Uh, and we had the most amazing experience. We've gone on to do other projects with him as well. And he's just, you know, he and everybody that he's ever introduced to us have been phenomenal. You know, the, the trades there really are artisans, mm -hmm. you know, and they're craftsmen from a bygone era. And we were so lucky to be able to get to be exposed to these these incredible talents there. We have these three Italian brothers that did tile work for us through him, and uh, they're phenomenal. They uh, they are such old school. It's some of the best tile work that I've ever experienced before. They did all the custom mosaics in our house, just phenomenal. And you know, we had local trim people mill everything from scratch there, um, hand carved everything. Like it's it's really incredible what was there, and it was also amazing to get to find and discover all of these talents yeah. there. How does the talent in Nova Scotia 
differ from, I mean, in New York, you're exposed to some, probably some of the most incredible artisans. Everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I think- Is it cheaper? <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> it's definitely cheaper. Um, but it's also, um, you know, you can depend on people a little bit more there. Not that I'm saying you can't depend on people in New York, but I think that there's such a a large number of designers and and clients, mm -hmm. individual personal clients that people work with here that, you know, often I think that people get pushed back, you know, way down the line, whereas there, there's maybe less of that. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's refreshing to be able to have somebody who's available or more readily available to be able to, to create something that you dream up. They're not dividing their time. Exactly, as, yeah. exactly. And they, they tend to be definitely more focused on individual projects versus having a multitude of projects going on at once, which yeah. is nice also. Okay, so before we get too deep in here, I did want to play a little game that I thought could help our listeners get to know you a little bit. Ooh. Normally, and us. And us, mm -hmm. yes, true. true. Um, Who doesn't love a game? Right? Yeah, right? But I like to win. So Who doesn't like to win? Let me win. I don't know that there's no winning this game. It's just that you're not really playing. So oh, maybe. man. It's just a game for film. How can I cheat if I can't play? <laughs> so normally at the beginning of every episode, we do our trials and triumphs. Mm -hmm. But this time I thought we'd switch it up a little bit. So, okay, I'm gonna, I thought we could play a little word association. Sure. Or I guess it's not really word association, but I'm going to give you two things and you have to pick which one. Perfect. Okay. Which Pretty one simple. you like? Yeah, I guess it would. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's if you which have one to you pick like. one, one of them, you pick one. Yes. Okay. okay. Let's do it. Abstract art or antique art? Oh, See? <laughs> it's the hardest one right off the bat. Um, <laughs> She's mean. I would have to say antique art. Do I have to say why? You can you if can you want to elaborate. Yeah, yeah I, I would have to say antique art because I think that it came first. You know, mm -hmm. that I think we would, I, and I, and again, I'm a huge contemporary fan. I love abstract yeah, art, as you're you can sitting see. Right in front of, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have both um, new artists that have made contemporary things and historic pieces also. Um, but I think I grew up with an appreciation for really, really traditional um, pieces from my family. And I think, you know, that's probably where my, my number one love would be. And then it's expended from there. So I know I didn't really answer that, but I would say antique first. No, that, that that's a good explanation. And I do love like in your home here, the way it's mixed. They, mm -hmm. I mean, they just, they bring each other to life. I think when they're put next to Thank each you. other. Thank you. You know right. what? I, I, I have to agree. I mean, we, we tend to sort of mix a lot of our artwork because I think that, you know, most people usually come with things, our clients at least do. And I like to try to work with them. Um, you know, in such a way where we, we, you know, display their collections to the best, you know, uh, that we can possibly do it. But at the same time, try to introduce new things and mix things in. I, I yeah. definitely like the idea of, of having a mix between, as you can see, traditional and contemporary pieces, because I just think it's more interesting. Yeah, yeah agreed. Okay, here's the next one. Okay. Rolled arm or tuxedo arm? Rolled, definitely. Okay. Should we describe what that is? Or do you think everybody knows sure. like a tuxedo do, arm? Do you want to take, you want to? Absolutely. I mean, I, as you can see, have both. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love a ruled arm because I think it was definitely, you know, the first. It was more traditional. Mm -hmm. It was sort of the beginning. Um, there is definitely a casualness, I think, about that. You know, you get that sort of English ruled arm sofa that's. Um, it sort of rolls over the end. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a soft curve on definitely. the arm. Mm -hmm. and, and almost, I would say feminine. I don't know if yeah, you would agree. I agree. Or, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think a tuxedo arm is definitely a little bit more rigid a little bit uh a little bit you know more clean but again i like to mix them too yeah, so agreed. yeah okay pool or beach definitely the beach okay <laughs> all right drapes or shades drapes 
Okay. Wait, what's your favorite beach? Oh. <laughs> I want the one not yeah. decorated question. I um, I have to say, I really do love the Seven Mile Beach in Grand Cayman. Okay. We spend a lot of time there and it is spectacular. I mean, you can walk on it for miles. Um, the water is always perfect. The weather seems to be pretty, pretty consistent when we're there. And I would have to say that that's one of my number one beaches. All right. Okay. All right. Drapes or shades? Okay. Uh-huh. Drapes. Drapes. By the way, you have- I noticed that in a lot of your projects I was looking at. Like, yeah. The way Lined, you handle drapery panels. Yeah. Everything. I, I, I'm just, I'm definitely old school that way. Um, but, uh, you know, even the contemporary houses that we're doing, we do a lot of, um, we'll do a lot of sort of ceiling mounted uh, recessed hardware into tracks and things like that. But I just, there's something cozy again and an and atmosphere that gets created, whether traditional or contemporary, that's just you know, it, it's a nice feeling. You know, mm-hmm. people go into a space and you, even if it's a very clean looking space, there's something about the fabric that absorbs sound mm-hmm. and that just visually True. sort of warms it up a bit. Yeah. So we're sitting in a room. It's a, you know, a sitting room. Or most people might say living room. I don't yeah. know. And right next to it, I mean, it's sort of the same room. There's like a little enclave office just through an arch. And you have matching drapery here in this living room. Uh, you know, just a shade darker than the wall color. And then the the little enclave office is dark chocolate brown and it has matching dark chocolate brown drapery and a shade. Now, I could imagine most people would struggle, struggle, struggle with does all that need to match? How did you decide that did You're not? You're going to love my answer. Oh, okay, good. So the drapes, because I'm super frugal, came from my very first apartment. You only had four and you're like, all right, I got to put something else That's, on that other no, window. <laughs> like, it's, it's just was happenstance. And I, and I, I definitely, so I'm, I'm a firm believer that unless somebody wants to buy the drapery when you sell your apartment or, you know, take it with uh, you, take it mm-hmm. with you because it's inevitably it's somebody's just not going to use it. Right. right? Yeah. It's you a different style. It. It's a different, yeah. These were remade in the sense that they are the original drapery that were, were in our first apartment actually on different different hardware, more modern application. Uh, but we ended up having them remade. We did a pinch pleat at the top with a casual heading. We did, mm-hmm. you know, decorative hardware on these ones. And to make them a little bit interesting and make them more sort of appropriate for this space, we did tiebacks just to sort of give the windows a little bit more um, a little bit more openness there, right. just a little add a little more light to the space. And again, we had two pairs of them. And yeah. it just happenstance worked out. Um, you know, I guess if I was doing them from scratch, would I would I have done them all the same? Possibly, but I I think this just worked out. We we did a new fabric. We did sort of a, a silk linen for the shade in the in the, the little sort of brown. alcove there mm-hmm. in the chocolate bound mm-hmm. alcove there. But again, it was more you know just something to complement what was already going on. So I, I'm definitely about reusing whatever you can, especially if there's you know a quality associated with right. it or a sentiment for that matter. Um, but that's how that sort of came about. May I ask another question about the these windows? I see that the rings don't match the rod. Purposely. Right. So, and I love it. Yeah, I never would have thought that so, would have been awesome, but so it is. I do that a lot um, because I just, I like the idea of adding another layer or another detail or another texture, or in this case, another finish. Um, so again, as you can see, we have bronze rods here. And to make it a little bit interesting, we did sort of a, a soft pewter for the rings just to make them pop a bit. Uh, again, it's like a little bit of jewelry and it's just another texture, another yeah. another finish. It is amazing. And then your chandelier is sort of a golden brass color. I love the the mix in the room of all the different metals because 
I think people get hung up on that a lot. Definitely. Mm-hmm. We listen, we have a lot of younger clients who come to us and you know, they bring us tear sheets and concept images uh, from Pinterest or House or those places or just, you know, different uh, different magazines or books. Uh, and often they always ask the question, is it right or wrong? Should it all match? Should it all be pewter? Should it all be bronze? Should it all be brass? And at the end of the day, I think that years ago, nobody cared. Everybody just, you know, if you go into an old historical house, you'll find some pewter faucets. And on the actual cabinetry, there might be some antique brass hardware. And, you know, it's it's definitely people say the catchphrase that looks collected today and things like that, but it's the way it was before, you know? And, it actually was collected. It definitely, yeah. And, and so yeah. for me, I, I think that there's nothing wrong with celebrating different finishes. I mean, I love... I love brass. I love pewter just as much. I love polished chrome and nickel. It, it just depends. I like to mix everything. And, and I, I always say, like, if you fall in love with a piece, could be a piece of, you know, uh, furniture, like a table, it could be lighting, whatever that is, I think that, you know, if you love it, you can definitely incorporate it to make it work within your space. Yeah. Okay. I interrupted your game, Caroline. No, I'm sorry. it's okay. And, well, this is good. I'm loving These this are good conversations. Right? <laughs> and it also just reminded me that I told you my son just moved here mm. and I'm bought this big duffel bag of drapery for his apartment and throw pillows and drapery hardware and all this stuff. Ballard, I'm sure. Ballard. I went to the Ballard outlet. Uh-huh. Because I'm a good mom. And I just realized that the rods and the rings are still sitting in my driveway where I spray painted them all. Uh, to match. Like a rub bronze. Yes. And I left them all there Oopsies. in my driveway. Oops. That's going to be FedEx, fun to ship. Be a FedEx package yeah. next week. <laughs> I feel like your son is going to have the best looking apartment of any other 24 year old no you know who had the best apartment Susan Kessler started when she moved to New York we (laughs) featured it on her blog it was like a little show house it was also a lot of Ballard so that was fun (laughs) I'll put a link to it in the show notes okay here's our next one Hmm. stripes or checks oh stripes okay oh Caroline I mean you're her new best friend she loves a stripe I love love stripes yeah yeah Okay, open storage or closed storage? Closed always. 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 Preach it. Traditional, contemporary, it doesn't matter. It needs to be closed because nobody, including ourselves, nobody lives where everything is perfect. Mm -mm. Uh, Marie Kondo does. Well, maybe some She's the exception. (laughs) She unpacks her purse every night. I know, that is pretty crazy. Isn't that nutty? Yeah, that's, well, it's her thing, I guess. I guess. You know? I I wish I had the discipline to do that. She puts her sponge out to dry on her porch. (laughs) I got to that part of the book where she unpacks her purse and I was like, yeah, that's too much. I'm going to take on your folding method. I'll I'll maybe 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 go purge, but I'm not going to unpack my purse every night. Because the purse likes to rest she says that's hysterical (laughs) okay ushak rugs or persian rugs ushak okay okay what's the difference um well they come from two different places Mm -hmm. um i think i don't know i love I love ushaks and I love how how sort of tight and thin and flat to the floor they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they're usually a little bit more subdued than a Persian carpet. Persians are, are known for being quite colorful, mm-hmm. um, whereas you can find quite um, quite pared down um, ushaks that are sort of softer and not uh, not intense. That can work with other things. I'm mm-hmm. I'm also a big fan of as you know layering things, um, different periods, and I I use both. Uh, often in the same room and sometimes what I'll do is I'll use you know a Persian on one side of the room and I'll use you know Nushak on the other side and there might be sort of a more intense sofa or something that grounds the other half of the room on the Ushak and something you know that's softer and more monotone that's on the Persian so just like to give a balance exactly yeah. 
exactly. Just to give a balance and a little bit of interest to the space also. I love them both. But again, I just, I really love how thin they are. I love how soft they are. It's, that would be definitely my my number one choice. Yeah. I feel like they also have, they typically have a sheen to them. A new mm-hmm. shack does. Yeah. Uh, that's just what I picture too. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, definitely. Not, I think, maybe not all of them. But. Yeah. And, and again, Persians, you definitely, you know, there's a, a, I feel like there's more variety in a new shack. I feel like a Persian is definitely, you can really tell it from seeing it, you know? Well, I have mm-hmm. some clients who respond to them right away and others who they're just not for them, you know? Yeah. Right. Right, personal choice. Look, can I digress again? Mm-hmm. So we 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 will we've gotten quite a few questions in the past from listeners about putting more than one rug into a space, right? Like we're again back in your sitting room, absolutely. And um and I can see from where I'm sitting four rugs. Uh, how does one? There are some missing. Oh goodness! <laughs> All right. As, as you met earlier, we have two dogs as well, and sometimes uh, dogs have accidents or there's trouble. And so we have one carpet that's being sent out to be cleaned at the moment, but that would be the fifth in this space. See? <laughs> and so I think people struggle with putting down uh, rugs, multiple rugs in a space. Cause we've had people like, do they need to match? How do I, how do I know if they work together? Definitely. So, so I think that, you know, uh, I can't stress it enough and I know I'm probably going to sound like a broken record, but um, you know, I think there is definitely a need for designers for certain things. Mm-hmm. And I think to mm-hmm. get advice from designers on certain things, um, because I think that they've gone through a lot of experiences where they've they've, they've either already had, made the mistake. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they've already made the mistake. They already have the, the knowledge. And I think there's also an instinct that comes together with putting certain things together, mm-hmm. as we all have different styles and different personal styles. For me, I've always... I've always had an appreciation for, as I said earlier, older things. I love antique carpets. Um, you know, I grew up with them. And now I like the idea of mixing them with something more contemporary. As you can see here, we have a, a mm-hmm. custom silk woven carpet here. Um, and we've mixed it with an ushak here, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I love the, the contrast of the two because you know, there's a respect that comes along with historical things. And then there's also something to be said for creating something bespoke and new and contemporary. And I think that there's a there's an interesting mix. I know people have all these different terms for what traditional is these days, but I think that there's definitely a traditional or traditionalism out there that incorporates a lot of contemporary elements for younger people that don't necessarily want everything to be white and stark and very clean and minimalist. And as you can see, we surround ourselves with house full of things that we love. Um, and I'm not always so concerned about how it all works in the mm-hmm. end. Um, some things are left over from other houses. Some things you just fall in love with and it's just right to you. And it's a matter of sort of combining all of those things very, um, you know, very finely to make sure it does work. But, you know, I don't care if there's a bit of a mistake with something where, you know, the arm of something is a little lower than it should be, or the height of a table yeah. is a little bit higher than it should be. I, I like the little inconsistencies and the, I don't even want to say mistakes because I don't look at it that way. I think more, I think it's just more interesting. Right. You know, yeah. if everything's perfect, it's boring. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And and not so livable or approachable. I feel right. like when people come to our houses or, or our apartment in this case, I like it to be comfortable. I, I like you to be able to feel comfortable. I, I want people to lounge in a sofa. I want people to, you know, not worry about where they put a drink right. or if they spill something on the floor. We have two dogs. You know, there, there's accidents happen. Like that's life. And at the end of the day, it, it's nice to be able to live and enjoy, um, you know, and be surrounded by comfort than not. Right, right. I would like to point out my drink is not on a coaster and you were fine with that. 
Totally. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it, I, you know, people do get carried away with that, I think. And I think that there's, there's, I mean, there's other things, obviously, but I was going to say there's nothing to me that's more uninviting when you go to someone's house and someone's, you know, screwing around you, trying to make sure that you don't put something on something. Like, I, I think that everything is meant to be used. Right. And it sounds ridiculous, mm-hmm. but, but you know, your, your drink's on an antique, you know, alabaster table. I was telling you the story mm-hmm. earlier when you came, but at the end of the day, it's been around since the 60s, you know? Uh, yeah. You know, there's other pieces that we have that are, you know, from the 1900s, we have things from the 18th century, you know? And at the end of the day, whether or not something has a mark on it or it gets a scratch, it can it can be touched up or it's also nice to not have perfection all the yeah, time, right. you know? And plus that table or whatever it is, it's gonna get scratched. No matter right. how totally. delicately you treat it, totally. it is going to get mixed scratches it's gonna get worn absolutely so why like make yourself miserable for sure trying to keep it from something that's gonna happen regardless i always feel like um both here uh and in canada so i would say like a north american you know attitude is that everybody generally likes things to be very perfect you Mm -hmm. know like if something comes with a nick or a scratch they want to take it back or send it back and I, i think that i sometimes look at that more like from a european sort oh of point gosh. of view where like you know the beauty is you know a 200 year old marble table that has stains and a crack and that's aged because mm-hmm. it's spectacular totally. they you have know, the right perspective totally we, we we try to reproduce that but then in other aspects we want things to be perfect you know like and i just think if if people sort the of perfect were, distressed finish <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah you know control right. you know like versus actually being perfectly distressed because of age and just love you know right right Okay, should we go on to the next yes, one? Yes, these are good. So thought provoking. All right, mm-hmm. New York or Toronto? <gasps> what about Nova Scotia? Oh, well, that I'm wasn't gonna... on my list. That's Sorry. true. Oh, shocked us for that one. Now you know Nova Scotia would be my number one choice. Oh, was it? <laughs> it okay, would, absolutely. Well. But that wasn't the question. Um, <laughs> I would say um, it's tough. Uh, I would say I still love Toronto because Toronto is where we're from. Mm-hmm. Um, New York has so many opportunities and there's so many things here. I have to be honest, it's intense. It's always intense. And I feel anybody who lives here, you know, is just used to the intensity. And it's not that I don't like to have a good time or, you know, go out or, you know, there gets to a point though where Mark and I sometimes will say to ourselves, you know, three weeks being here, we need a break. We need like yeah. a holiday from New York. Not because it's not fantastic. It's just, it's always like there's something going on and mm-hmm. it's great. And it's just sometimes, you know, you're running from a cocktail party here to a dinner party there to an opening here, you know, and, and it's, you know, just you're always, always yeah. on, you know, like you feel very, I always feel very guilty when I'm in New York to sleep in or, mm-hmm. or to you're missing things. Absolutely. Because there's so many things going on, you know, but um, I mean, I, I would say definitely Toronto is my number one choice. There's, there's a, a, a sentimental attachment to it that I would never be able to let go. Um, yeah. So I would definitely pick Toronto. Okay. Can I digress on this one too? Sure. You know, I like food. <laughs> <laughs> you have these three homes. How do they differ aesthetically, internally, the way you've decorated them? So I would say that the um, the difference between the three are, I, I'm big on appropriateness. Um, when I say that, uh, our house in Nova Scotia was built in 1795. So it's definitely, it's definitely influenced by that. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the things that are there are... Um, are, are things that were either inherited. I mean, we do have new pieces there as well. And like I said, I like to mix things, but it's almost like that has like a, a comfort level 
to another degree because we're surrounded by so many things that we've inherited and that we love um, and that just are appropriate to that space. Toronto, I would say, is definitely a little bit cleaner. We're between places at the moment in Toronto. We're just looking for a new building there. A new project, I would say. I was going to try to incorporate our office and a showroom and uh, our living space mm-hmm. also in a townhouse there, which will definitely probably have a cleaner aesthetic. When I say that, it'll still be warm, it'll still be layered, it'll still be textured. It's just probably going to be on the cleaner side because we tend to spend, as much as I love Toronto from that first question, the least amount of time there. Mm-hmm. I would say we're definitely, you know, the most amount of time would be Nova Scotia, followed by New York, followed by Toronto. Um, that being said, I'm in Toronto almost, you know, I would say every week because I'm on a plane every week, um, touching base with the office and such uh, and with our projects that are in, in Canada. But for me, I just I like the idea of it being sort of simple and pared down there so that it's not um, it's not as much to maintain. It's not as mm-hmm. much to take mm-hmm. care of. Mm-hmm. We definitely entertain less in Toronto than we do in 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 New York or Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia is definitely more people coming for the weekend, you know, having lobster, just relaxing, enjoying people and spending time. Um New York, I would say, is definitely more cocktail party things that we would have here. Um, so that's why the space is designed around that. And Toronto definitely is more of like the stopover spot. So much like a, a fine hotel or a nice hotel, I want it to be comfortable, but I also want it to be super simple so that there's not a lot, not a lot to maintain or have to worry about when you're not there. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was just looking around. You don't have a TV in your living room. There's no TV. So you you actually, th- th- we're going to sound crazy, but we don't have televisions except in Nova Scotia. We have a, a theater room there. And when I say a theater room, it's not like a theater room. It's like a big family room <laughs> with super comfortable sofas that are in down. And it's our rainy day, you know, snowy winter storm. You know, there's mm-hmm. a big fireplace in that mm-hmm. room also. And we go down there and watch movies like on a big screen. Um, generally speaking, though, we're not huge television watchers. Um, you know, and if we watch a movie, you know, it would be in bed on an iPad. Um, yeah. and or on a laptop and usually it's Mark watching the movies and me falling asleep yeah. um, because I'm always perpetually tired <laughs> I don't sleep so yeah. when I can catch a little bit of a sleep and a cuddle with him and the dogs I love it all right Fair enough. I was just, I was all of a sudden looking around. I'm like, hey. No, I mean, this it, it, it is a perfect layout for cocktail parties. You're right. Yeah. Totally. Makes and I want to redo my living room. Yeah. And this is, I mean, <laughs> this is also a spot where it sounds crazy, but like I can push all the books aside, like on a coffee table and I can set up some drawings and go through some drawings and do some work there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a great spot to read. Both of us like to read a lot, which is great um, for that. But I would say we're, we're definitely not, uh, we're definitely not television watchers. Yeah. All right. Dogs or cats? Duh. <laughs> I don't even think I need to I don't to know answer. why I even added to that to the list. <laughs> and it, well, no, we were presented with the book when we came into yes. the house, which is basically about your dogs at Kip's Bay Show House that you were um, featured in, not this year. Yep, this was from three years ago. and But uh, you are in this year's? Well. We are. We are actually in this year's. And this was a book that actually Mark created with a, a very good friend of mine, my best friend, actually. Uh, she co-wrote it with him and Mark did all of the illustrations, the, the illustrations watercolors for the book. Precious. Yeah. Precious. And, then, and then all of the proceeds from the book, uh, the sales from the book, go back to the Kips Bay, which is fantastic. Oh, okay. Well, we have to hmm. circle back to the Kips Bay in yeah. a minute after we finish Definitely. our fun I game. Have, like four more. Okay, okay, two hours worth of questions if I keep interrupting. <laughs> well, there you go, Karen. Let me get through them. Zip it, ladies. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, okay, magazines or Pinterest? Magazines. Mm. Yeah. Okay, Majolica or Blue and White Chinoiserie? So definitely Majolica. Um, oh, uh, that uh, surprises uh, me. You know, so I have an incredible collection of both. Um, 
both of which were inherited. Um, my mother loved both. And I actually never personally loved blue and white china ever growing up. It wasn't for me. I had no appreciation for it. And you will see in every house. Caroline's pointing around the room. Yeah, it's exactly. We have it everywhere. Um, We have um, my mother passed away about five years ago. And the uh, the thing that I love most about the blue and white china is that there's a memory associated with her Mm -hmm. with that. And as soon as I see it, it just makes me happy. Um, I think of her. I think of all the good things. And that's why I surround myself with it. So that's where I go back to like memories are really important to us and and how we sort of design spaces. And I think I have a respect for clients that have peculiar collections of things also because of things like that. I think it makes rooms more interesting. And so Mm -hmm. though it wouldn't have been my first choice, every house that we have, you'll see blue and white. In fact, when you go to the Kip Space Show house, you'll see a lot of blue and white there also that was from my mother as well. Um, But yeah, I I personally love Majolica. I love the texture of it. I love the deeper hues of that green and the Mm -hmm. the muted sort of tones. I'm definitely more attracted to the greenish shades versus the ones that are brown or orange. Uh, But we have a large collection of that in Nova Scotia and it's in our kitchen so that I can see it every single day because we are in the kitchen every single day constantly. What? We, We had a guest on recently and we were talking about how People are either blue people or green people. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. And I can't remember who that was, mm-hmm. but it sounds like it's sort of the same discussion. It sounds like you're a green person. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I love blue also. You can see in some of the artwork That's we have true. also. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily specifically about the colors. Oh, okay. um, I just think I grew up with a lot of blue and white. And yeah. so I, 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 not that I was forced into it, but I... I wasn't, it wasn't something I developed on my own, if that Uh makes sense. You know, we also have probably four sets or five sets of dishes that are blue and white as well in Chester, Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. And um, I I love them and we use them. It's just not something that I would have originally gravitated towards when I was younger. Right, right. right. Okay. Brass or nickel? Ooh, uh, I would say brass. Okay. Doesn't Mm -hmm. really acquire any explanation I've yeah i just there's like a, it has there's such a, a great patina there's a, yeah, that comes exactly with there's it. a patina to that you know it's there's a gold a warm tone i guess mm-hmm. to it that i really like mm-hmm. okay velvet or linen oh she's mean she's so mean. like it's, it's you know what it's it, it's because she's american they're not <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i would say that <laughs> Southern? Say, yeah um i would have to say i do love linen i love linen um i i, I love linen because it just feels more casual to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I like wrinkles. I like the imperfection. Um, listen, I love velvet too. I love silk velvets, you know, particularly, but I, I definitely gravitate more towards linens and textures like that. I just think that they're, they're interesting. They're more forgiving. Um, and I think that they're definitely something that puts people more at ease than a silk velvet, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Less formal. Okay, this is the last one. What? Then you can ask as many questions as you want. (laughs) I do. I have two big things I want to talk about. Wood furniture or painted furniture? You know what? I would say wood. I'm I'm definitely an old school wood fan. I love brown wood furniture of any tone. Um, I love, you know, I love inlays. I love marquetry. I love distressed, you know, um, planky things. I, I, I love, I love wood. I mean, I love painted things too, mm-hmm. but I love wood. All right. That's, that, that's all I got on my list. I but- noticed, um, in a lot of your, um, images that I was looking for when I was searching around stalking you, <clears throat> that you do do a lot of wood paneling and paneling in rooms and that kind of thing. Um, and we have people ask us how to decorate around paneling, especially like how do I hang my artwork with paneling or how, how does one th- 
think about it. It looks like you just kind of ignore it and put it wherever. Totally. So, so I've always sort of approached it, um, almost like, you know, uh, an, an 18th century salon. You know, when you saw things in Europe, especially when people started collecting artwork uh, en masse, a lot of the old museums that you see as well, they install it that way, sort of salon style and gallery style. And it's it's really a matter of the walls are just a backdrop for the art. Um, so I don't think, you know, at one time, definitely people were more concerned about making sure that things, you know, were centered in a panel or that there was like one piece. But I think that, you know, First of all, I'm compulsive when it comes to the art, as you can see. So I surround myself with it everywhere. And wherever we do have panel molding, um, not we don't happen to have it in this room, but a lot of our houses have them. We just put the art, you know, wherever it looks best. We group it together in such a way where the the panel molding on the walls is just a texture, almost like a wall covering or yeah. a, a paper of some sort. So that it doesn't feel like you have to pay attention to exactly where some things are. Um, you know, it's just, it's another texture to me. It's just the backdrop. Yeah, But so, I think it's an important detail that I, I love to add to rooms as well. People mm-hmm. think it's crazy because we add it and then cover it up, but <laughs> it's just nice to have you it. Know yeah. it's there. Definitely. Well, this sort of, we we just um, recorded another episode where, where someone wrote in asking about their, they have wood floors, wood trim, and I think wood doors, maybe it was. And she was wondering how to lighten up her space. Because her husband won't let her paint the wood. Yeah. So we told her to get a divorce. <laughs> she probably won't well, listen. Well, that's definitely one answer. <laughs> Who can say what the right answer right. is? Um, you. Yeah. Well, but no. do you feel the same way about that? Like trim and doors and no, floors so versus panels? I am definitely, uh, I'm definitely less concerned with painting wood. I have no problem with painting wood if it's not very good. Uh, mm-hmm. When I say that, I definitely... You're not going to like the answer. I definitely have probably the the number one male thing with not painting the wood for like a beautiful paneled original mahogany library mm-hmm. yeah. or a beautiful walnut library like from the 20s. I don't know if I could personally paint it myself. I have no problem painting a less a lesser wood or a less uh, a less beautiful wood. Um, but you know, again, I think that people have to be happy in the spaces they live in, and I yeah. absolutely can understand where some people inherit maybe a house that has a lot of dark, you know, an old Tudor house with lots of dark paneling. Right. And I've seen people, you know, paint the walls, and we've done it ourselves also because somebody just literally could not accept being comfortable in the space. You yeah. know, somebody that we worked with very closely that inherited a house that was a Tudor house, and you know, she she had a love for the house generally because it, it was a family house, but she just couldn't see herself living in this dark, and it was very dark. Her foyer, her living room, her dining room were very, very dark. And, you know, we we convinced her husband and we took the plunge and we painted one room to start and he loved it also when it was all said and done. Mm-hmm. And she loves the house now that right. she grew up in, you know, yeah. and, and she didn't before, which is, I think sometimes those things transcend whatever style should be or whatever is popular or whatever you think is right. Cause now she's enjoying her life and living in her house and loves it, you know, yeah. versus trying to make something work when it's just not for her, you know? Yeah. But I think that goes for anybody who has a situation like that. I think that if you could talk your partner into painting the rooms, <laughs> you know, you could look at good divorce attorneys. No. You could. <laughs> Paint is much cheaper than a divorce yeah. attorney. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I will say that, and I didn't really think of this when we were talking about it last time, but my house has its original wood doors. Now, they're not particularly fine. It's in 20s, like craftsmen, you know, our neighborhood when it was built it was a very like working class 
neighborhood. Yeah. But um, but I have always loved the doors. Now I will say that all of the trim is painted. So my walls are white. My trim is sort of a gray with like a little touch of green, and then we have these like super dark doors. So maybe like consider compromise yeah there's always a compromise you know yeah our our first apartment had all exactly what you're describing painted trim we had lighter trim our doors were all very very dark because we just like the contrast of it yeah and uh i love it it, yeah maybe she should stain her doors a little darker because if it's just like a, like you're saying a regular yeah. brown or not a very special wood, you could yeah. ebonize them or take them really dark. Definitely with the painted trim, and then mm-hmm. everybody's happy. Definitely, yeah. it's a compromise. It's yeah. Brilliant. No divorce attorneys needed. No, we the three of us. I feel like we saved her marriage. Yeah. I think we so. did good. This should not be how to decorate. It's how to be happily married. How to live happily ever after. Okay, now I, we have a mutual friend who told me that I needed to ask you. How you got into design? How did you discover that you had a passion for this and this is what you wanted to do? Oh my God! Uh, it's supposed to be an interesting story, so make it interesting. So, so <laughs> I, I I don't know what to say other than the fact that I grew up with a mother who was a decorator, um, not not a decorator in the traditional sense, but you know she was old school waspy. She would decorate for friends, um, and she just always was creating beautiful houses. And you know she came from a large family, and all of my aunts always kept really beautiful houses, also and had great style and taste. And so there was an importance that was always put on that. And so growing up, I always was surrounded by beautiful things. And through osmosis, perhaps, mm-hmm. and and tagging along with my mother, um, I just developed an appreciation for, you know, beautiful things and fine things. You know, that being said, also at a young age, I was, I was drawing, I think, before I was talking pretty much. So like at four or five mm-hmm. years old, I was sketching. Um, and it's just developed into a lifelong passion of, of being able to create things. And, and, you know, creating an environment, um, and, and not even that I was conscious of it, but like, you know, at, at nine or 10 years old, I remember I was able to decorate my room, obviously with my mother's, you know, <laughs> guidance, yeah. exactly. And, and not being able to do whatever I wanted, but you know, most kids would sort of probably do something graphic and crazy, you know, and I was looking for a striped at the time, a striped tone on tone damask silk fabric that was oh, like it. a dark ah, green amazing. and burgundy at the time. So I'm dating <laughs> myself. But again, I, I was looking to create an environment from places that we had experienced or traveled and seen. And and there was something exceptionally exciting and liberating about being able to create your own space. And this feeling that one sort of, you know, or, or experiences when you're in that space. And so you know, I've always just had a passion for design. I, I love design. I love, you know, the architectural portion of it. I love the interior design portion of it. I love the decorating portion of it. I love all of it. Wow. <laughs> did you find the, the, the stripe? I did. I did. did. It you took a while, but for. I was patient. <laughs> and, and in the end, it was exactly what I wanted. And how old were you? I was nine, nine or ten-ish. I, yeah. I just have to say, I have two sons. <laughs> Imagining them doing this. This did not go down in my house. No, no. they wanted like one of them wanted SpongeBob. You know, Listen, I had to play on all the sports teams too. I did everything I was. <laughs> I just happened to. I just happened to love to be surrounded by nice things. Oh, very well rounded. Yeah, I totally. Love it. I'm, I'm a little disappointed as a mother. I have to say. <laughs> all right. So, we'll, the last thing I want to talk to you about is Kips Bay. Definitely. So, will you tell us a little bit about just what Kips Bay is and 
what your space looks like this Absolutely. Year. So, Because by the time this comes out, it won't be a secret anymore. Yeah, well, the, the, <laughs> the Kips Bay Boys and Girls Club uh, of New York has you know, been around for a number of years and is incredibly important because it services a, a huge community within the, within the actual city. And the Kips Bay Showhouse itself is a huge charity event that raises funds for this, this uh, Boys and Girls Club. And it's amazing because I feel like every year it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And, it, you know, there's always an incredible array of super talented, um, you know, um, North American and sometimes international designers that come and participate. And, you know, we've had the privilege of, of being able to participate once before, and this is going to be our up and coming second time, which is really exciting for us. But it's an amazing charity that, um, it's, it's fun for the designers. It's a great way to sort of display your work and be able to be creative and, and show people what you can do. But at the, at the same time, it's creating such a, such a great revenue um, for this charity and for the actual children of the Kips Bay, which is amazing. I feel like Kips Bay, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like it's the most... I hate to say exclusive, but like celebrated. Like premier. Yeah, like it's the biggest. I wouldn't disagree with either of you. Absolutely. I think that as a child, um, as a child, as a teen, I used to come with my mother. And I remember the very first year that I saw it with her, which I think was like 1998. And, you know, she used to come and we would, we would always make an effort to come and see the show house. And I think I've only missed it one year since since it was you know since i started going where did you live you, um, we lived we lived in canada but we would, would always, come here we absolutely my mother my mother loved the show she thought it was unbelievably inspiring and important to see that's awesome absolutely and i remember as a young child or a young child like a young you know early 20s and she would You'd say already done your first room exactly she, <laughs> she, she was like you know i remember she was you know like a mother, you know, super, super encouraging. And, you know, she said, you know, one day you're definitely going to do the Kips Bay. And she's like, I don't think it's a matter of just doing it. I think that you'll have to meet the right people. I think you'll have to, you know, you'll have to get to a certain point in your career. You know, it's, it's very, it's a very difficult, prestigious show house to be involved in. And she said, but I, I promise you, I think you're going to do it by the time you're 40. And this is going to sound so corny, but literally the year of my 40th birthday, um, I, I was, you know, invited to participate, which was like a dream come true. And it's like if you put that idea out into the world, yeah. it somehow comes back to you. Totally, That's totally. You, you you did an interview a little while ago with uh, Melanie a gal. Turner. Turner. Turner from the oh South. Oh my God, I was who, literally just I was thinking now. about so that episode. I met Melanie in the South and she's she's adorable and fantastic. And I, I remember she and I were talking one day and she was mm-hmm. talking about how she sort of does these, I, she has a name for it. Vision board. Vision board. Yeah, where she's like, she she really focuses on what it is that she she wants or where she sees herself or all that kind of stuff. And I, I absolutely think that there's something to that. And yeah. I think that you know what you put out there you definitely get back that's so funny i was literally just thinking i need to tell him to listen to melanie Turner. No, no, right. no, was, i remember i remember yeah. we we had a great dinner in, in atlanta probably about two and a half or three years ago maybe maybe longer and i just remember that resonating with Isn't me and an she had such a story? great energy and such a you know like she's so fabulous yeah, she, <laughs> yeah she is inspiring yeah so how does one get selected to be a participant so it's not as it's not as hard the selection process as one would think. Um, you send in a portfolio of work. There's a a, a board of uh, a design board that sort of uh, takes a look at all of the uh, the the candidates or the submissions from the different designers, and then you know they make a decision from there. But I think again, it's important to to um, to be able to send them sort of a diverse 
group of work that you do or body of work that you have. Um, and, you know, again, it's just, it's a matter of, I think, the right time and the right place. I don't think, you know, sometimes I've heard stories from people where they've applied for years mm -hmm. and it was like their, you know, their eighth year by the time that they got accepted. And I think that there are some people that get accepted when they're quite young and there's some people that get accepted later on in their career. At the end of the day, I think that you just have to keep submitting. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, what's meant to be is meant to be. I think some years they're probably looking for maybe something different than than other years. But at the same time, I think that if if it's good work and it's um, it shows in your work, I mm -hmm. think that definitely people, people that are on the board sort of making the selections are, you know, renowned designers that know what they, they know something good when they see it immediately, you know, and they can see the potential and what this person can bring to the show house as well. Because I think it's a fine line of making sure that it's an incredible show, you know, and it, it has to be, you know, on a certain level to be able to, you know, keep the status that it's at. Well, speaking, oh, I was going to say, tell us about your room. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, speaking of on a certain level. Well, we have a drawing room that I'm very mm. excited about. Does it have um, paneling? Oh, my God. It has paneling. <laughs> it has artwork. It's got lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Um, it's It's got everything. It's it's um, it's definitely um, it's definitely an eclectic mix of what we do. And it showcases um, my love, which is, you know, a personality. And when I say that, it sounds crazy, but not necessarily so many um so many design designers or design uh design spaces have you know a client's personality in mind it's more of a general look and and beautiful don't get me wrong aesthetically pleasing and, and spectacular and but there's something about uh what we do that we like to try to express a personality a, a definitely you know my point of view or my personality in my space which this is what that is and so again we've surrounded ourselves with many collections, um, blue and white china that I inherited. Um, I collect, you know, Murano paperweights. Um, you know, we have a collection of flasks because who, who doesn't, who doesn't, want, to drink? Who doesn't exactly. want to have a drink after they've, you know, done all this work. But at the end of the day, we just, we like to sort of incorporate all the things that we love from artwork to textiles to, you know, carpets. I mean, I think that there's probably six or seven carpets layered in that room in our one room there, you know, mm -hmm. and there's definitely panel molding that's covered up with the artwork as well. Um, so I think it's just, it's a whole variety of things that are definitely me, um, that are definitely personal. I think that, you know, the most important thing that I want people to come away with after they've seen our spaces, just you know, a comfort that you were sort of describing about a Nova Scotia house, this, this feeling of comfort and, and wanting to sort of stay and linger and enjoy because that's what a space is about. Mm -hmm. So what is the, and maybe you just answered this, but like, yeah. is there a personality, like a really specific personality that you were decorating for aside from His that own. coziness? Yeah, I would say. Or is it, is it you? I would definitely say it's me, okay. um, myself, uh, you know, my, my, my husband, Mark, our dogs. Um, there's definitely an influence of my mother in there because there could not be, you right. know, like, um, and at the end of the day, I think that when people come into the room, I think if anything that they come away th with an experience, something, I think they will definitely feel a lot of love in the room. Like there's, there's a lot of beauty and there's a lot of beautiful pieces, but I think we try to create this space that feels super personal and loved. And that's, you know, what we, what we aimed for. And I think that that's what we did. So how does, how do you, who picks what room you get? Do you get to pick? So, or nope. do they so pick it's a draw. Um, and, uh, you know, again, this is a quick little story, but I, you know, as a, as a newcomer to the Kips Bay several years ago, I was so excited. I was a keener. I 
I had found the plans to the house um, that they were using at the time. And I did conceptual sketches for all of the rooms and all of the spaces because I was just, whether or not it was the smallest space or or the living room, thinking I just want to be ready and prepared the seconds. Because usually it's only about three or four weeks that you have to prepare. Wow. This oh year, my gosh. Yeah, this year I was lucky because we had about seven or eight weeks to do it, which is amazing for a show yeah. house. But typically it's much shorter. For me, though, I, um, I, you know, I, I showed up. I had all the drawings. I was super excited excited and then I got the staircase of which I did not do any drawings for. Oh my gosh. I did not even think of it as a room. And I just remember thinking, what am I going to do? Right? Like, and at the end of the day, I just was like, oh my God. Because uh, I was, I was for a second, for a, a split second, not, not that I would say I was disappointed. I was overwhelmed because the staircase was massive and mm. this big oval staircase and spectacular. But I was just like, what am I going to do to make an impression here? So I literally, you know, again, drew upon what we do, which is make things personal. So we we created an atelier. We, we created this incredible staircase lined with artwork that felt like a, you know, a gallery style installation. And uh, yeah, we just, we really wanted to be super personal and focus on it being, you know, impactful. And I think that when people walked through that space, they, they really did, um, they really did feel us and what our, our personal style was and our personality. I feel like we should do some dilemmas. I agree. We, we need have, your brilliance yes. showered oh down all over our Let's listeners. Just, we don't want any more divorces out there. No. no. We've already saved one marriage. Let's see if we can do another one. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> all right. It's a short one, but it's okay, a good one. But it's a very practical one. Yes. Yeah. I have a square dining room that's 13 by 13 feet. I'm de- debating between a 60 inch or 72 inch round dining table, which size would fit best. And then she gave us some photos. Ooh. So I'm looking at them here. So she's got some fantastic panel molding mm-hmm. as we've been speaking about in this space. So this is what I would suggest. Um, depending on how she's going to use the space. And when I say that, if she entertains a great deal, um, I, I never like the concept of a table that's too big for a room. Mm-hmm. That being said, I absolutely have an appreciation for when you want to have a family dinner or like a nice dinner party where you're having more than six people sitting. Um, it's always amazing. And we did this in Nova Scotia also. Number one, I love that she's going to do a round table because I think that there's mm-hmm. nothing better. Agreed. Nothing more personal. Love them. Yeah, Especially absolutely. for square rooms. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, you know, in Nova Scotia, we did a table that's quite incredible because it's a round table that's uh, actually 66 inches. And we actually have these leaves that attach to the side of it when we need it to expand to make it larger. So number mm-hmm. one, that's what I would try to do just so that she has flexibility in the room. That being said, it's not always that you come across a table that can do that. So right. um, yeah. I would venture on the smaller side myself because I, I really do love the idea of putting beautiful things in the room. When I say that, like a lovely break front, she's got some some beautiful walls there, like between two windows there that she could have a, a lovely break front. Mm-hmm. There's another wall that she could do like a lovely sideboard on. And I like the idea of being able to have some storage in the space as well and other focal points other than just a table yeah, and chairs. Right. I feel like in this particular room that it might be a little tight to have a 72-inch table all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, it could work. And if, if that's what you need and you need, you know, the seating there, you know, sometimes you sort of sacrifice the look for being practical as well. Right. Karen, I think you should tell... Oh, gosh, I didn't even say what her name was. Her name is Diana. Diana. I should tell Diana what I just did. Yes. Diana. Um, So I also struggle with this because 
I like to have large dinner parties, mostly around the holidays or whatever. But most of the time, it's an eight to 10 person dinner party. Love the round table. Yeah. But I don't want to have a 72 inch in my dining room all the time. Right. I have to say, when we had Suzanne Castor on the episode, mm-hmm. we had her and you had just put, we were sitting at a 72 inch table and it's large. It is. And it's yeah, big. you it, can't you can't yeah. sit at a table that large with four people. It's no. awkward yeah. and strange. Absolutely. So, um, so I wanted a, I wanted a seventy two sometimes, but most of the time I wanted a sixty. So, my girlfriend, um, she often has this Thanksgiving dinner every year, and she bought this very interesting topper that goes on her table. It extends out. You get them custom made for your dining table. Extends out to no more than ten inches on each side. Then you have to put a tablecloth on, of course. Yeah. Um, so I got this thing made for my table. It folds up, goes in the closet, but it unfolds, lays flat, um, sturdy, extends the whole thing to 72 inches. Then I had this fabulous zebra tablecloth made. I love this solution. And so I have a 60 inch for every day and then I have the 72 for when I need to have a 12 person dinner party. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. See, we can put a link to the thing. Okay, cool. Yeah. The the company I can't remember the name off the top of my head. It's got some crazy name like Pigeon Forge Tabletops or something. <laughs> it's not that, but it's something like that. something silly. Okay, something that I Pioneer. It's called Pioneer or something. Okay, I'll put a link to it in the show. Sounds good to sure. me. Right? Yeah, absolutely. But I do like that she's got the round the round action going. That's the best kind of dinner party is when you can yeah. see everyone and talk. Totally. You're yeah. and and it works so well. And when you're sitting at it, you would never know. You would not that know. it was. Not a sturdy table. I mean, it doesn't thick. feel like cardboard. It's or, I mean, It's not cardboard. You know, feel. it's not like a one inch or. It's, and I think. I think yeah. once you have a tablecloth on there, like a fabulous tablecloth, the way you were describing, I think you're set. Yeah. 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 I love it. But if you, I mean, unless she is like has a big family, like if she's got like a six or seven person family, maybe she wants the seventy two inch. But a, a right. If de- you got a family of four. And yeah. you're eating dinner then in you, here. You go with the 60. Yes, I mean, you sure. probably use the 60 way more than you use the other on oh, a regular sure. basis. And so it's more comfortable. You know, but for when you when sure. you meet on occasion, yeah. you can bring that extra tabletop out. And you've got, there you've got the room for eight or ten. Right. And so, like even when I have a, more of a cocktail party, get rid of all the chairs. Yeah. Put the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the food in there. So it's a wonderful sort of banquet for everyone. Um, yeah, nice buff- buffet area, right? Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. Sometimes I almost feel like 60 is too big for four people. Personally, sixty pushes it. I think it, you know it's it all relative. I yeah. mean, I'm I'm a big person, so sixty is <laughs> not so so big for me. But at the same time, definitely, like if you've got you know four smaller people, it's it's a big table sixty still. Because mm-hmm. I just think about when I set the table. You if you set four placemats and like dishes and stuff, there's like all this space yeah. in between and in the middle and you're like, what on earth are you gonna fill? How are you gonna fill but that? But you know what I don't like but, is when yeah. I have like something beautiful in the middle and there's like nowhere to put down the chicken. So totally. That, that gives you like, totally. you can yeah. have some candles yeah. I, and I, I your like, chicken. I like the food <laughs> to be true. on the table where possible. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I usually I usually serve it like in the kitchen or on a buffet. Oh. So, it's, listen, it's a teach we, throw, yeah. Right? yeah, exactly. And she ne- Diana needs to figure out maybe kind of Examine her entertaining style. For sure. Oh, that was awesome. Okay. Cool. I loved meeting yes. you. Yes. Well, listen, ladies, I loved meeting you too. This Did was you so really? much fun. Do you promise? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, we have to do it again. What a joy. <laughs> sure. You yeah. do need to come to Atlanta more. You said you've only yes. been there once. I've only I been think. there once, but I loved it and I'm happy to come back. You should. Yeah. Okay. What? I feel like 
Is Brian Coleman not an Atlanta he artist? He absolutely is. Good oh, so the art good right eye. behind his head here that's right, is Brian that's Coleman. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've been staring at that. I'm like, I swear he's from Yeah, the Irwin Gallery, yeah. also fantastic. They have mm-hmm. beautiful things there. I So I have some Atlanta here, but I need more. <laughs> good. We'll come, I'm glad we'll we can bring a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> tell, um, tell people where they can find you and see your website, your work. So, so it's philipmitchelldesign.com. Um, it's, it's got a great example of what we do there. And uh, yeah, they can definitely follow along on Instagram. I, mm-hmm. I love the Instagram. It's like the, the best. I mean, it's easy to do. I'm on a plane all the time. Often people ask me if other people manage my Instagram account, but it's all me because, again, I don't sleep and I'm on a plane all the time. So I have lots of free time. <laughs> Are you a Diamond Medallion member? I'm not a Diamond. De- I, I'm a, uh, an Aeroplan because I'm Air Canada. I'm uh, an Aeroplan uh, 100 mile, whatever that is. Yeah. Million miler? I'm not a million whatever. miler You're special. yet, but I'm close. I'm close. <laughs> well, they, and what is your Instagram? Is it? It's uh, Philip Mitchell Design. Okay. Yeah, very mm-hmm. easy. They need to go check out Jacob and Wyla on there. Oh, the, the puppies. They really yeah. are the stars of the Instagram. They are. Gorgeous. <laughs> and sweet. So sweet when boys. we came over. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's our show. Well, ladies, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. It has. It, I've, we've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks thank for you. having us over to your home. Thank right. you. We rarely get to go into I know. It's extra fun when we get to see your space. And those around out, so and examine great. your thank drapery you. rings. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. We would love that. And find all the show notes for this episode at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. We'll put links to Philip's Instagram, his website, Kip's Bay, all the stuff we talked about. And, um, of course, send your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net, and we'll answer them on a future episode and have our awesome guests answer them, solve your problems. And um, follow us on social media. And until next time, (laughs) happy Happy decorating. decorating.